0: to speak to you today from the subject of you are loved. Pretty basic. You know, it's the kind of thing you pray about when you're doing on a, like a huge trip 4,000 miles away. And you're like, what should I say? And you're like, tell them God loves them. And uh, and so I'm going to tell you that God loves you. And um, but let me start by telling you about who I learned a lot about love from. Uh, it's my Egyptian grandfather. So Papa Nazem, he had this way of greeting his grandchildren. And some of you are like, Egyptian grandfather? Uh, no, I'm not Egyptian. But this is the thing is if you were friends with Papa Nazem's grandchildren, you were you became his grandchild. I don't know if you know any grandparents like this. Uh, so I would come around and Andrew and Murray and Daniel, they're all my close friends. And Papa Nazem was their uh, grandfather. So, and when he, he had this way of greeting his grandchildren, and they would come up, and he would, he would hug you, right? I mean, okay, that's nice, right? Hug you. My father, my grandfather, his grandfather was British from Birmingham, and it was, I went in for a hug one time to my grandfather, and he went, whoa, and he kind of put his hand out for a handshake. I was like, okay, so it's very different. My Egyptian grandfather was different than my British descendant grandfather, and, and he got a big hug, and then he would hold your shoulders. He wouldn't let you get away, and he would kiss your cheeks, and he would, then he'd still hold you, and you're like, wow, now it's getting really, like, you're trapped in his love, kind of like I'm trapped in Dan and Kate's love. And he would hold you and he'd look you right in the eyes. and he'd say, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. And he'd say, you're my precious, precious child. And so you'd watch him do it to, you know, Andrew, Daniel, Murray, uh, you know, these siblings and cousins. And then he'd get to you and he'd just he'd look at you and go, oh. he'd go, Ben, he'd hug me, he'd kiss me. And it was like uh, kind of awkward at first. And then he'd hold you and you're like, oh my gosh, someone's this grandpa's staring into my soul. And you have to picture it with the Egyptian accent, okay? And if there's any Egyptians here, I mean this as a sign of honor, but they kind of do this thing where they kind of, the Ps are more like Bs. So it's kind of like this. I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. You're my precious, precious child. And over and over again. And my Egyptian friend said, hey, that's kind of common in Egyptian culture to be more affectionate in greeting. But I knew a lot, enough Egyptians to say, yeah, but he's different the way he's doing it. So a few years ago... Papa Nazem, he passed away and I was in this uh, old church auditorium and I was sitting near the back and it was a very long memorial because person after person after person got up. And it was probably the biggest memorial I've ever been to for someone who was not in a formal position of leadership. He was just like grandpa to as many people as he could get his hands on. And everyone was getting up talking about how loved they felt by Papanazim. And I was like, that's amazing. What a legacy. And I was thinking going home, I was, like, I was like, yeah, I mean, I know he liked me more than the rest of those people, but... <laughs> but on the way home, I started thinking about how can I be better and more intentional at showing love to the people I care about. So I started thinking about the first people that came to my mind were my nephew Christian, my number one nephew, uh, who I call Cristiano because my wife's part Italian, so I, and he's not, but it's just cool. Like, hey, Cristiano, like, hey, Cristiano, how you doing? And so, And then my niece, Clara, who I don't call her an Italian name because I don't know what Clara would be in Italian. Clara, exactly. And so... I, I, I was like, oh, how can I, I'm going to be like Papa Nazem to Christian and Clara. So I would kind of come around and I, I'd visit them every few weeks. And I, when they would come close, I, I was like, okay, I'm going to do what Papa Nazem did. And so I'd try to hug him and I'd hold him and look him in his face and say, I love you so much. I'm so proud. But they'd just squirm away. Christian was about five or six at the time. Clara was three or four. And he, he would just run away. I was like, shoot, this isn't working. <clears throat> And I was like, "Oh, I know," because you know how sometimes you like can be inspired by something, but you can't copy it directly. You have to kind of find your own version of what's inspired you. So I know I was like, "I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to yell at them." <laughs> I, but I was a youth worker for a long time, and I just found yelling really hypes up. Like, a, like I'm like the guy in the stands cheering for you and embarrassing you. If you're playing a, a sport, I'm just cheering for you, and you're getting embarrassed because of how loud I'm cheering. So I was like, I'm going to yell. So I went to Christian. I was like, well, I came over one time, and I was like, hey, Christian. I was like, Cristiano, come look at my face. <laughs> and that's what I said. I decided I'm going to tell him to look at my face because I thought, you know what? You don't look in the kid's eyes very much. So I said, Cristiano, come look at my face. And he was like, what's going on? I was like, come here, look at my face. And he came over. He's like, kind of like, what's going on? And I I held him and I said, I love you so much. I didn't do it with the accent. I said, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. And he kind of looked away. I said, look at my face. I kind of yelled at him again. He was like, okay, I'm looking, I'm looking. I said, I'm so proud of you. Auntie Melissa and I would love you so much. And I kind of just encouraged him a little bit. And and, uh, and I said, go Clara. And I yelled at Clara. I did the same thing for her. And I started doing it, not every visit, but every kind of few visits uh, before I would leave. I would yell at, I would say, hey, Cristiano, come look at my face. And I'd probably been doing it for uh, a few months, maybe even a year. And uh, I said, hey, Cristiano, come look at my face. And, and he came running up. And he kind of was like. <laughs> Like, just waiting to be, like, I was like, oh my gosh, I don't have cake, I just have encouragement, right? But some of us, right, have you ever heard of the five love languages from Gary Chapman, is that his name? Gary, uh, there's two Garys who talk about love and and friendship. But yeah, one of the Garys, he talks about uh, the five love languages, I was like, Cristiano words are doing it for him. Like, I just, have he kind of goes like, he's like, you're going to encourage me? Like, go for it. Because i said, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. Auntie Melissa and I, we love you so much. We're so proud of you. And then I'd kind of, I'd find something. I was like, oh, I saw you were doing some art earlier. So creative, man. Keep it up. You're such a good big brother. Your sister was falling off the couch. You saved her. I love that about you, man. I'm so proud of you. And then I'd say, hey, Clara, look, come look at my face. And Clara looks over and she's like, ugh. <laughs> and then I got a bit defensive. And I kind of yelled, like, look at my face. Come here. She comes over. She kind of like shuffles over like, like, and I'm like, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. And she was like, I know. <laughs> you always tell us that. And that's when I was like, oh, yeah, maybe she feels love a different way. But I was like, but I'm going to keep telling you until I die. <laughs> and so, uh, but. And you know, over time, as I've kept doing that now, they've gotten a little bit older. And over the time, I found and now. It's not the same thing. He's not as little. He's not running over. But when I say, hey, Christian, he kind of looks at me. And he's like, and I, I, you know, if he knows before I go, if I say, hey, Christian, he kind of looks over at me, and I, say, and I say, hey, I love you so much, man. I'm so proud of you. I'll try to look him right in the eyes, right into his soul, and tell him how proud of I am and, and encourage him. And it's had an effect on them, and it's had an effect on me. And over time, you know, we're here at church. I'm talking about my niece and nephew, my Egyptian grandparent, uh, you know, father. And over time, it it got me thinking about, is it possible that the face of God towards me is less kind than Papanazim's? Is it possible that the face of Jesus towards me is less loving and kind than my face, towards Christian and Clara. It reminds me of when Jesus said, uh, you know, if, you, if your son asks for a fish, will you give them a stone? Uh, I used to, in a Bible school class, uh, there was, a, I had a guy who would answer the rhetorical questions in the front row, and he would go, and I imagine someone like Jesus says, which of you would give your son a stone if he asked for a fish? And I imagine this guy, Michael, in the front row going, what? No. Looks back at all of us like, what? You're crazy. Do you know what Jesus said? Stone instead of fish? No. It would break his teeth, Jesus. That's crazy. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this guy <laughs> just answering the rhetorical questions i don't know if you you're like that if you're one of those if you're michael but jesus says hey which of you would give your son a, a stone when he asked for a fish and he says how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him He says, how much more you're good parents and this is what he says he says you're good good parents and he says and he goes what's the what's the i'm gonna find the verse in my mind it's a uh, even though you're evil, or even though you have sinful, sin in your hearts, you know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your father in heaven, right? And so is it possible that Papa Nazim is more kind towards me than, than God who gave up everything, who came in the person of Jesus, who took all my sin and guilt and shame, everything I've ever done wrong on himself, went into the grave? Is it possible that he, the one who gave up everything loves, loves me less than I love Christian and Clara? And it's so confronting. So I grew up in church. Any church kids around here? Just nod or yeah, okay. There's a few church kids in here. Some of you are new and I grew up in church and there's growing up in church, you're kind of handed down. And especially if you grew up in like a Christian school, everything starts getting tangled up and merged like faith and church and religion. And, and it start, you start to kind of do a religious comparing. There's a list of do's and don'ts, right? Do these things and don't do these things. And so you start to kind of measure yourself and compare and, you, and we do it in all areas of society not just faith, but we find ourselves measuring how good we're doing based on this list of do's and don'ts, right? Like de- like do, uh, Bible, prayer, Sundays, uh, don't. I mean, I'm, I'm not even going to mention them. <laughs> just don't. <laughs> There's so many things you shouldn't. <laughs> don't, don't. And so, and so I find myself uh, growing up kind of, it's all tangled up my, you know, how my uh, t- teachers at school would kind of talk about, they kind of merge faith. And, and so I know when I'm doing well and I know when I'm doing poorly. And the problem with that is then I can, I'm really prone to self-righteousness and pride. I am mean, like, oh my goodness, like I'm, like I'm the holy one around here. And then, or when you, as you get older, you get really discouraged. You're like, I've been trying. I've been trying for years. I've been trying for years and years and years to, to stop the don'ts and to get better at the do's. If we surveyed everyone in here, if you've been following Jesus for more than five years, there's probably this, this lingering sense of shame that you don't do the do's enough. You're not quite disciplined. You don't spend enough time. Your, your heart doesn't turn to the Lord in this really romantic, uh, affectionate, faith-filled way, like it, like it maybe should, should, right? And the don'ts, you're like, yeah, there's a few of those things that I'm, I kind of keep struggling with. And so you kind of grow, and then you just, we kind of just find an equilibrium where we kind of settle for, like, I guess this is it. You know, I guess this is life, the Christian life, And today I want us to come back to this question of, is it possible that my Papanazim loves me more than Jesus? And my Sunday school faith tells me, no way, no way. But emotionally, I'm like, oh, that's hard. I felt it in a physical, tangible way from him. And I don't always feel it in the same way. And especially if I'm attaching all of the, the, my, my actions, my do's and don'ts list, this religious structure and system of rules. And I forget that Jesus took that on himself, went into the grave. And can we, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I forget your name on the, on the music lyrics. Alex, thank you. Alex, can we put up the words, the death is defeated, the king is alive. Just leave those up behind me. That'll encourage us. Death is you take a no, no rush. Because Jesus went into the grave and he took, and, and then he left death and the system of, re- sorry, my watch just talked to me. <laughs> the system of religious rules, he took it to the grave and then he rose from the day, grave and left that in the grave. Death and, and the law are defeated and, and we're, we live in the power of the resurrected Christ. Now we live in this tension. So we're like, Lord, I want more of that. I want to do two, three, three movements with you just as we kind of uh, make our way to the end of the service today. Three movements. One is I want us to give ourselves a chance in prayer to catch a glimpse of the real Jesus's face. And then I want us to, there's a story of this man who has an encounter with Jesus and he he prays, he says to Jesus, if you can heal my son, like, could you do something? Could you have compassion on him? And Jesus says, if, and the man says, Lord, I believe. J- Jesus says, if all things are possible for him who believes. He says, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. So that's the other movement I just, in prayer, I, just, I wonder if we could just say, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. And then the third movement has to do with this childlike atmosphere we find ourselves in. And for me, the thing that stands out as a tall person is the chairs. <laughs> the, the height of the chairs, some of you are loving that, like that, that length between the knee and the floor is like, finally, right? <laughs> and I'm, as a taller person, I'm kind of on the side of like, most chairs are a little bit short for me, so my legs kind of bend in different ways, and especially if it has a bar, never mind, doesn't matter. It's, there's advantages to being tall, obviously. So I don't have to complain as a privileged uh, man who has a long calf to knee ratio. Uh, like, but in this childlike atmosphere, the final thing I wonder if we could do is we could kind of bring this, this faith, this belief, and this sense of I am a dearly loved child, and we could ask for some things. We could pray with a little bit of childlike faith and we'll let the chairs remind us. We'll let the atmosphere remind us. What if we just use a little bit of this, I'm a precious child and my father in heaven wants to hear my requests. And we'll just take that together. So those are the three movements. A couple things to just show you Jesus' is. Um, Uh, Where Jesus is at. Can I just tell you some other coincidence this morning? We're in the school hall, right? And I'm I'm traveling with my wife. I'm doing a working holiday. We were just uh, away for a little while. We're passing through London. We called Kate and Dan. They're like, come stay. Do you want to preach? I was like, oh my gosh, I love preaching. And so... I, I'm here, I didn't have my notebook and like my Bible with me. So I have a Bible from their house and I picked up a notebook, but it I, turns out it's Cassia's notebook and it has like art in it. And so I got Cass, I hope that's okay. I wrote my, my sermon notes on a note and then I have a picture from Cassia here. I'm not sure if this is a, what this one is, but there's a lot. Of, and I'm like, well, this childlike theme actually just kind of hitting home. But Just look at this art. Aww. She's learning to write her name too. That says uh, you Cass. <laughs> you, I think. Um, oh no, I might've lost my place now. There it is. Um, but a few images uh, from Jesus's encounters with Jesus to just say, hey, I've, I've seen this in the scripture. I've seen this in Jesus encounters. What would his face have been like to a woman? I think it's found in one of the places in Mark's gospel in chapter five, where this woman with internal bleeding, it says she sneaks up behind him with this faith of like, if I could just touch him, I'm going to be healed of this illness that have been, has been plaguing me for years. And she sneaks up and she touches the hem of his garment and she's instantly healed. She's in a crowd like this. And Jesus stops, he knows who it is, and he's, or he doesn't know who it is, but he knows something happened. He says, who was that? And the disciples are like, ah, oh, Jesus, like this is a crowded place. Like there's a lot of people are touching you. He goes, no, someone touched me. And the woman, it says, trembling comes before him. And she tells him, it was me. I thought if I touched you, I would be healed. And he says, daughter, what's his face like when he's saying this? Daughter, your faith has healed you. You can go. She's terrified. Oh my goodness, I stole a healing. And he knows. And Jesus says, daughter, your faith has healed you. What's his faith like for the man who had that skin uh, disease, leprosy, and he came and he knelt before him when Jesus was coming down the mountain one time and he kneels before Jesus and he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus not only heals him, but he reaches out his hand and he touches the man. I think it's in Matthew's gospel in chapter eight, you can find it. And he touches the man and he says, I'm willing, be clean. Restoring the man not only to health, but probably to relationship, to, to back with his family and friends and church faith community. Like just changing his life in a moment. I'm willing. What's his face like? What's his face like to Philip when Philip and the disciples, they're kind of, I think it's near that last supper time or maybe at the last supper, maybe in like John's gospel in the 14th chapter, I think where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone who comes to me, you know, you know, or there's no way to the Father except through me. And then Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you and then you can come. And then Philip's like, Lord, we don't even know where you're going. How can we come? Like, how can we go there? And Jesus, what's his face like when he pulls him close? I, mean, I imagine him pulling him close. Philip, don't you know me? He's like, don't you know me? He's just looking in his face. I'm the way. You've been with me all this time. What's his face like? What's his face like when he says, when the little children are all coming to him and the the disciples get a little bit grumpy and they say, Hey, there's a lot of important things to do here. And Jesus says, Stop, let the little children come to me. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. If you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you need to become like a little child. I think we, we get the sense that there's something to do with a simple trust, that childlike trust in him. What's his face like for that man in, in Mark's gospel? It tells one of the, the stories, Mark chapter nine. Let me find it here. In Mark chapter nine, where he, he there's a man whose son has been tortured for years by a demon. And let me read this story. It says, and they brought the boy to him. And when the spirit saw Jesus, immediately it convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has he been like this? How long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And it has often thrown him into the fire or into water to destroy him. But if you can do, this is where he says, but if you can do anything, but if you can do anything, he says, please have compassion on him. And Jesus says, if anything is possible for those who believe, and it says, Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had entered that house, his disciples asked him, uh, they asked him, uh, sorry, my eyes aren't as great as they used to be. Like, why couldn't we drive it out? And Jesus said, this, is, uh, this kind only comes out through prayer. There's this scene, what's his face like? What's the face of the Lord Jesus like towards this father? who says, this has been plaguing my family since the boy was young. Maybe today we could tackle a little bit of this unbelief and a little bit of maybe this aggravated fear that can be aggravated in the spiritual realm. I wonder if we could say, Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. I reject the unbelief. And it's not, it's the aggravated, the extra. It's like, it doubts good, questions are good, but there's this extra that's just like, just pessimism and driving everything down. And then there's this fear that comes and the normal fear is good. And there's an amount of fear that's normal to life. But then there's a spiritual realm that aggravates fear and just tries to drive it deeper and make it bigger in our hearts and minds than it's ever was meant to be. And Jesus comes and he says, how long since childhood? He takes him by the hand and the boy's restored and he's given back to his father. So I wonder if we could just in prayer, do three movements. Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Give him a chance to reveal his face to us in prayer. That you are his precious, precious child. He loves you as you are, not as you should be. He loves you as you are, not as you should be. None of us are as we should be. (laughs) He loves you as you are. He loves you more than you could ever dare imagine.